Well, good morning, good morning. You know, it's a new year, huh? Let's hope 2020 is not a trilogy, huh? Well, you know, I always like to encourage you to read the Word of God. I would like to encourage you to read John 3.16 this week. As we start this new year, just read John 3.16. Filter everything through John 3.16. And let me encourage you, right, to pray. But let me encourage you to pray that the gospel will be shared through you. Right? Pray that God will set up a divine appointment uh, in whatever context, however it comes about. Pray about it and see how God uses you. Sometimes we say, well, I, I, you know, I just, I, I'm not able to share. Well, have you prayed about it? Pray, 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 pray. So read John 3.16 and pray with whoever you're praying with and on your own that may the gospel will be shared this coming year. Speaking of prayer, let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, everything you've done for us. And, you know, today, Lord, I, I just, you know, there are churches meeting in all different types of capacities around the world, uh, you know, even in our own nation. And there's a lot going on, a lot of confusion, a lot of just strangeness out there. But God, we know that you're, you're going to shine through and you're going to provide because that's what you do. You are the provider. You are the giver of life. You're the sustainer of life. All things we have are given from you. So help us, Lord, to, uh, uh, right now, as we, as we have gathered in your name, to, to focus on your majestic power, to be comforted by your majestic power, and to know that you love us. God, for, convict us of our sins. Expose them. We're really good at, at, at hiding behind idols and, and, and having behind uh, excuses of why we do such things and evil things in our life, Lord. Expose them, crush them. Expose the things that we don't even realize that we've been doing, Lord, all through your word, so we can run to you through faith and cling to the cross of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, be with all the missionaries around the world, too that they're preaching the word, Lord, we know that you are doing a mighty work for them and if there's any discouragement out there, Lord, that you encourage them to know that you love them and there are people praying for them, that there's this union we have together. Even though we are not there, yet we are unified in Jesus. We pray this in your son's name, amen. So Paul has been on this uh, massive quest, if, if I can put it that way, uh, in this book of Ephesians to help these you know, believers to see how freeing and, and, and liberating this gospel of God's grace is. You know, th that they are fully secure in the Lord, all through faith in Christ's life, death, and, and resurrection. That no matter how hard, they, uh, how hard they fail in this life, that no matter how hard this world hits them, that no matter how frail they may be, because of what Jesus Christ has done for them, they're going to be okay no matter the outcome. He has been working hard to help all of us see that we don't need to put ourselves in these little panic boxes of survival where we're afraid of, of losing things in our life. 
afraid of losing security and losing hope and losing dignity and affirmation and love and meaning and purpose. Paul has been saying that we have all these things in Jesus Christ now through faith in him. We, we no longer need to hold so tightly on to this life and our own lives anymore. Because God's hand is favorably working and ruling over our life now through faith in Christ. We no longer have to put up these walls between each other and others so we can keep a sense of of worth and dignity amongst people. Rather, we can reach out to each other without fear of losing something because we have everything in Jesus. Paul has in one form over and over again been pushing this underlying concept that we need to stop stop protecting ourselves from each other like our reputation or our identity or dignity or whatever. Because we now have all of that in Jesus. He is the one who has obtained all those things for us and he is the one that is protecting all of that for us all through faith in him. We are a free people now in Christ as we go about this world with nothing to prove to anyone. For all of our sins have been forgiven. We have the full-fledged love of God upon us now. Your source for everything that you are and everything you need is found in and through Christ alone. The God of this universe is on your side now. He is working for you out of his grace to make everything work in your favor for his glory so that his name will be magnified through your life. The power of sin and death has been completely removed from you. Meaning that your very sin, your mess-ups, your failures cannot mess up And break the salvation that has been given to you. It cannot remove God's love over you now. Your sins and failures and inconsistencies cannot remove his favor upon your life now. Your failure, let me me get really blunt. Your failures and sins as a parent, as a grandparent, as a spouse, as a friend... As a simple citizen of this world, your failures and sins against your neighbors and your failures and sins against God are no longer held against you, but rather have and are working for your benefit in the Lord to bring him glory. You are fully saved and secured in Christ, for he has done everything for you by faith alone in him. How that works, I do not know. I just know that it does work. And only by God's power can something like that happen. And that is his promise. That is the good news of this gospel in which we believe. Christ said from the cross, it is finished. So, And that means that it is finished for both you and me by faith in him. For through faith in Christ, we have been and are now created anew. 
We have been brought into this new status in this world before God as his one blessed people whom he fully loves, even though we are sinners. So in essence, Paul isn't preaching to these Ephesians, the Ephesian churches who are made of a both Jew and Gentile, right? That through faith in Christ, we accept, we receive, and we rest in Christ's finished works, which brings us all the spiritual blessings of God and brings a unity between him and us and between ourselves that will never be broken by anything in this world or anything in the spiritual world. For the gospel is greater than anything. So in our text today, uh, our text today is going to be Ephesians chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. And Paul is going to start here his second prayer in this book to have us, as our title says, know the gospel, know the power of the gospel in our life. And, and actually, uh, he originally started this prayer back in verse 1 of chapter 3, but he then digressed and started to explain how he was commissioned to speak of the gospel to all Jews and Gentiles, how there are now one people of the Lord, and what Christ has accomplished for them by faith in him, that both Jew and Gentile are now one family who are part of this cosmic plan of God, which is revealing God's wisdom to all through them, through the church of believers. So we're going to look at the text uh, where Paul starts off then in verse 14. He says, For this reason... Meaning that because of this magnificent, mind-bending blessing that has been given to both Jew and Gentiles to unite them as one spiritual house, to unite them as this sanctuary of God by reconciling them to himself and to each other through what Christ has done for them, therefore displaying this great wisdom for this reason, for this humbling reason that God is bringing messed up sinners of all types to himself to love and to cherish as his own, to fight on their behalf, to keep and to hold in his powerful protective hands and reveal to all that they are his and he loves them and he cares for them because he just loves them. Even though, they have failed, even though they have failed him much and don't live as they should because these people fall into sin like bickering with each other over the most foolish and petty things that matter not in eternity. But even through their foolishness, for this reason, for his grace upon them shines through for all to see, for he is a gracious God to all of us who have faith in his Son, for this reason, because we have been truly forgiven and set free from the power of sin and death and are unified with him, despite our imperfect, inconsistent, broken performance before him, Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And this brings us to our first point. To know the gospel power in our life we need to understand who gives it. To know this power, understand who's given it. Now, it's interesting here that Paul begins his prayer by describing his posture. I mean, he could have just said, you know, I pray. But he doesn't. He, he says, I, I'm bowing my knees. So the question becomes, well, why is he doing that, you know? Well, Know this, Paul is not revealing to us that this is the only or ultimate posture for praying. If you just look 
quickly throughout the Bible, you'll find a lot of postures of people praying, uh, or different types of postures, from standing, as Jesus said in Matthew, uh, Mark 11, 25, and whenever you stand praying, so you can stand praying, or lifting hands, as it says in 1 Timothy 2, 8, men should pray, lifting holy hands, or even sitting, as as David did in 1 Chronicles 17, 16. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. So Paul is not so much giving us a posture of prayer, but he's revealing to us the weightiness or his deep, intense emotion of honor to God as he is praying over the church, which probably led him to his knees. Paul is showing us and them that he is a humble sinner before God, who does not deserve to be speaking to God. He does not deserve to be before him or have this close connection to God to speak to him so freely. So by stating he is bowing his knees is not an expression of his holiness or or piety before God. It's just a visual image for us and, and them to see this deep reverence that he has for God as he approaches him. For he knows nothing good resides in him. He does not deserve to be there. But yet, because of what Christ has done for him, he now has a status of a child of God. God is now his father. So he can boldly come to God as his loving father. Why? Because the cross of Jesus reveals God deeply loves him as his own. And that God the Father wants to hear what Paul has to say as his child. I mean, the word father here means to have an intimate, loving relationship that a father has with his child. Paul's not just saying father in a figurative, objective, cold-hearted, far-off sense, but a real caring father over him, which 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 he humbly but boldly approaches God as. Paul prays to the God who is perfect and holy and all-powerful and just, the ruler and sustainer of all creation, but who's also a father to him now who is openly and lovingly and willing wanting to hear him out, a sinner. Because the father cares for Paul on an individual level as his child, who he loves so greatly enough to send his only begotten God the Son, Jesus Christ, to die for him, So that Paul would never have to be in fear of interrupting God or annoying God with his prayers. Paul is revealing that God, as his father, God doesn't meet him with a scowl or some irksome face. But rather, Paul knows he'll be greeted with a a smile every time he goes to God in prayer. For God is his loving father who he can come to at any time through faith in Christ. So Paul is saying, I'm praying to this magnificent, loving God who is my Father. Who, as in verse 15 states, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now this, that passage there can be taken very easily out of context. So to keep us on track, this passage is not saying that God is the Father in some close, intimate loving, favorable sense to all people on the earth. God is not the father of everyone of the world in this way. For though he is the creator of all the world, 
and everyone in it. He does not have the same favorable, loving relationship with everyone in it. This father-child relationship comes through faith in Christ alone. That is it. Jesus himself even makes this distinction for those who do not have faith in him in John chapter 8, verse 42 through 44. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would, have, you would love me, for I, came not from God, uh, for I came from God, and I am here. I, have not come out of my own, I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. So you might ask, well, what is Paul saying then? Well, the Greek in verse 14 and 15 kind of do some this weird word play that we really don't pick too much up on in the English. But the concept, when you look at the overall context, is there. The words father in verse 14 and the word family in verse 15... These words kind of have this like close relationship with each other. So in a nutshell, the word family in verse 15 doesn't necessarily mean brother and sister, mom and dad, cousins, like we normally take it. What it means is kind of this idea of, of nation, tribe, clan, social group that has its origin in a common father. So think of it kind of like all different types of people who have a common origin to become a family. And when you look at the context in which Paul has been, has been talking about here, the emphasis is on the unity in Christ through uh, faith by becoming a one family of God and him their father. So what you have here is Paul saying that every family or social group, those who have already died in the past who are in heaven and those who already believe on earth are now those who are in Christ because of what Christ has accomplished. They have been made one, whether they're in heaven or earth. All believers have been named by God the Father, named the one family or the Father's family in Christ. So God is bringing people of all types through faith in Christ and is naming them his own with the name the Father's family, if you will. So through, um, so though we come through different backgrounds and different ethnicity, ethnicities, we all have this one origin from the Father through faith in Christ. We are one diverse family in the name of Jesus. And you can see that picture of this diversity, but yet full oneness of unity as one family in the Lord in Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne, before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Now you might think, well, okay, well, what's the point in revealing all that? Or, why, or emphasizing that God is the father of the one family that engulfs both heaven and earth through his son. Well, Paul's point here is that he's saying that this same loving father that is over him and with those in heaven are also over the Ephesians 
these new Gentile believers are, are, are us. He is our loving Father too since we have faith in Christ. He knows you individually. He knows the whole family both in heaven and on earth on a corporate and individual level. We are a people who he loves to hear from through our prayers to him. God wants you to go to him as your loving father. He wants you to go to him knowing he is working everything for your good now through faith in Christ. Or you can put it differently, in a different way, right, to make kind of a bigger impact. Because of what Christ has done upon the cross, God does not become more of or more open to you as your father once you get into heaven. He does not pay more attention to you once you stand before his throne in your sinless nature once you die. No, he is your fully loving father now, and he cares for you now, even though you sin before him now on this earth. You have full access to him now, and he loves to hear from you and has a smile for you and not a scowl. Even though just the other day you did something you shouldn't have. You said something you shouldn't have. You looked at something you shouldn't have. Or you even doubted him and became a bit angry because of what went on. God loves you as his own and he's giving you his best always, even if you don't see it. He is giving you his best, though you most of the time give him your worst. He, is always, he always has his loving attention upon you, even though you ignore him and do the very opposite of what he wants you to do at times. God is your loving, caring father through faith in Christ, and Christ has done everything for you to be in a right relationship with God that never changes Let me say that. It never changes. So you can go to him in prayer right before you sin. You can go to him in prayer in the middle of your sin. And you can go to him in prayer after you committed your sin. There are no conditions upon you now that you have faith in Christ. You can go to God through faith in Jesus at any time. And God will lovingly embrace you. Just like Paul goes to the Father. Who he said earlier, Paul says it himself, he is the least amongst all the saints. Paul wants all of us to see that we can humbly, but boldly, by faith in Christ, go to God in prayer and God will hear us and love us. Then Paul continues in verse 16 with some really fascinating requests to God, which truly reveals how blessed we are now because of what Christ has done for us. Well, what Paul asks of God here could never be asked out of his own merit. You you and me, we could never ask what Paul asked here out of our own merit. For we are great sinners, but we have a greater Savior who has merited everything for us. So we can ask, or for our context, Paul can ask such such wonderful and perplexing yet comforting things. Paul says in verse 16, that according to his riches of glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Do you see what 
kind of what Paul is requesting here, or more specifically, do you see the, the standard to which Paul is asking God to grant something here? It's according to whose riches or whose wealth? God's. And this brings us to our second and last point. To know the, to know the gospel power in our life, realize that it is inexhaustible. It's according to God's unlimited, bottomless, never-ending, inexhaustible wealth of glory. That is what Paul is asking God to strengthen strengthen the Ephesians by. And even more to the point, notice, it's not out of, like a little bit from, but rather he is asking it to be according to, meaning defined by the limitlessness of his glory in which God will bless these believers. Paul is wanting them to see that this is what they have access to now in their life and that God gives it freely to his children. And what is his glory, riches, glory, his riches of glory? It's all of God's attributes. According to his power, his mercy, love, wisdom, his holiness, and his grace, and so on and so on. Paul is petitioning God to bless them and strengthen them according to his very own being. God's very own being. According to the very summation of all of his attributes that bring God glory. That's the standard that he's asking God to bless these people by. Everything about God, who He is, what He stands for, all of Him that brings Him glory for all to marvel at, because He is the great I Am, the one who has no beginning and has no end, who always was and always will be. Because of what Jesus has done for us, because God gave His Son for us to obtain this for us, this is what we get access to now as believers. Through faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit gives us this freely, We have this. We just need to realize it because the world is doing its best to make sure you ignore it. And if you think that's a kind of like way out there, Paul says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know what one of those things is? To be strengthened according to the riches of His glory through the Holy Spirit. Himself, really. Notice Paul is not praying for them to be stronger in them and of themselves. What you have here, if you look at it from a different angle, is that Paul is praying to God to make them become more dependent upon Him in all things. What Paul here is saying... When Paul says here at the end, when he says, through his spirit in your inner being, Paul is praying that God strengthens them to rely upon him and him alone by changing their hearts, their inner man. To stop trying to have strength within themselves to get through this world. Paul is praying to God to help them see and realize how weak and limited they are by seeing how powerful and unlimited God's grace is over them. That is how they become 
strengthened in their inner being. We become strong in the Lord when we admit our weakness, admit our inability, admit our fragileness, and look to God's amazing grace that is displayed and what was accomplished in Jesus for us. The more we realize we have nothing, but Jesus is our everything, this is how we become strong in the Lord. Paul is praying that these Ephesians realize they cannot make it on their own in this world and that they are completely helpless without God's power in their life. That's why we run into so many problems. That is his prayer here, that if we're we're putting it bluntly, he is praying that God breaks them so they can become more reliant upon Christ and his power through through the Holy Spirit in their life. He's praying that these Ephesians realize they cannot do anything without God. But by constantly accepting, receiving, and resting in Christ through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, our inner being will be renewed and strengthened by His grace. What we get from this text here then is that God wants you to give up and pray, I can't take this anymore, but you, God, can and will. For through Christ, you have taken all of my burdens. You are my Father. Help me, strengthen me to surrender so I stop trying to fix my problems or fix people or fix situations on my own and stop trying to do everything in my own power. Help me by the riches of your glory to just trust and rest in Jesus. God, strengthen me to see that you are my loving Father and you will and are fighting for me. Strengthen me to trust that you will and have and are picking me up as I fall. Strengthen me to be confident that you will and have held me up as I stumble about. Strengthen me to see all of my life is covered by your son's blood. To know that your judgment has passed over me even though I fail you so much. Strengthen me to see the freedom that I have in your son by faith in him and his works on my behalf. See, the focus here is on the inner man, not the outer man. The focus here is on the heart. Paul's not focusing on on strengthening our behavioral modifications. It's our heart that has the problem. It is our heart of sin that keeps us loving God as much as we should and obeying Him as much as we should. And this is why Paul prays this. It takes the power of God to change your heart. It takes the power of God to make you realize that you can do nothing without Him. See, the inner person is where God works primarily, not on the outside. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. And the kicker of all this is that God does this to us. We don't do this ourselves. It's all God by the power of His Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, working in us by faith in Christ, which is why Paul is praying this upon the Ephesians. He prays knowing that he can't do anything. But God can, which is why we should pray in the first place. Prayer reveals that we are helpless without Him. 
This is, this is the importance of prayer in our life. Prayer reveals we can't do it on our own. That, that only God can do such wondrous things in us and about us. It is God who does the work in us and for us. For this is what Christ has accomplished for you and I by faith in him upon the cross. He has accomplished this wonderful blessing of God strengthening you and me. For we cannot do it on our own, but he can. Your can't is God's can. We are just the receivers, the beggars, asking for more and more through our prayers to God. Our faith is just empty hands to receive blessings. And he does his work through the power of our Holy Spirit, uh, through the power of his Holy Spirit in us as his children, through faith. That's it. I mean, let's be honest here. Me telling you to change does really nothing. It's very little. I mean, I might be able to make you feel in some regard, change your behavior a bit for a while. But I can't change your heart. I mean, for example, you can seem so nice to me on the outside, but man, you can tear me up and apart in your mind and heart, and I would never know it. Sure, you can lock yourself out of certain things that let you do tangible sins, but sadly, we all know you can still do it in your heart where no one can see Or worse, you can do such great things for people with a seemingly cheerful smile on your face, but in your heart you can hate the very things you're doing for people and be disgusted by their ungratefulness. And guess what? No one would know. I can only pray, like Paul, that through your faith in Christ that by the power of his Holy Spirit, through his word in which is preached and in which you read, that there can be any change or conviction in your heart to rely upon Jesus and see his greatness and grace over you. And what I mean by all this is that it takes the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sins, to change your inner man, so you can be strengthened in the Lord and and see and be satisfied with his sufficiency of love for you so you can let go and stop judging people so harshly. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit through his word to truly comfort your soul when you are distressed or angry. Not words of men, but the power of God, the power of the gospel in your soul. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to uplift your heart and remind you that you are completely forgiven in Christ, even though you still struggle with those sins in your life. Christ's life, death, and resurrection was enough for you to be completely restored to God so you can be at rest in Him. It takes the power of God to do that. It takes the power of God through the Holy Spirit to make you love those who come against you so hard and think little of you just simply because you disagree with them on some weird topic. That's debatable. It takes the power of God to help you love them and not find your identity in what they think of you. But rather to find your identity in what Jesus has done for you. No matter what others say. No matter what goes on. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do that because now you are a child of God who is deeply loved by Him. Even if people point out all your faults and sins, Jesus Christ has covered them all. See, what's most encouraging with these just few verses of prayer that we're, just, we're going to be analyzing 
is that Paul can pray for such things for the Ephesians despite him being a sinner and them being sinners. He can pray for such things because it's out of God's riches of grace that he blesses and strengthens us. It's not out of how good we are or how bad we are before him, but simply out of his riches of glory through faith in Christ. This should encourage us then to pray this wonderful blessing for ourselves and each other, for we know that through faith in Christ, our sins and our inconsistencies before God do not disqualify us from ask, for asking for his strength and do not hinder him giving it to us. We should all the more and as much as we can pray humbly and boldly that God strengthens us by his power as we interact with each other interact with our spouses, our children, our friends, our neighbor, our strangers, whoever. And even with ourselves, meaning the you, yourself, when you see yourself in a mirror, strengthens you to believe that God loves a sinner such as you. That takes faith. For there is much in this world that will try to pull you away and distract you for praying such things for each other or even yourself. This world wants you not to go to God for your strength alone. It does not want you to be totally dependent upon God in all things. It does not want you to realize this beautiful and loving relationship that you have with God and with his people that was achieved by Christ alone. This world wants you to be overcome by its temptations and its worldly values so you can focus on yourself rather than Christ and be divided from God and his people. By praying for each other and for ourselves, we can and will overcome all of it by his strength alone. Through faith in Christ, we will be strengthened by him in our inner man to get through our failures, to get through our sins, to get through our heartaches, and to get through the storms in life. For Christ will not fail us. He will carry us all the way through, for we are his children of God now by faith alone in Christ. Christ has obtained everything we need for, us to be, for, for God to be working his favor upon us in our life so we can be at peace and rest. So let us keep praying that we can realize this gospel, prepare, uh, this gospel power in our life. And I'll end it with this, with just this, this quote, which I think kind of summarizes everything we went over today. This person said, unless we see ourselves as broken people living in a broken world with other broken people, God's boundless love will never sweep us off our feet. We will never know just how good and strong God is until we know just how guilty and weak we are. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace in our life, Lord. God, I know that There are many who seem strong on the outside that are on the inside just tearing, feeling broken, and and just feeling so distraught. God, go to them. Remind them that you love them and that the burden isn't upon them. The burden is on Christ, and he carried it all for them. God, I pray for those who are struggling in relationships or struggling maybe at work or struggling just trying to make it in this world, Lord, go to them, remind them that it's going to be okay, that you love them despite how inconsistent they are. That you love them and you're going to get them through it and that you're working everything for their good by faith in Christ.
God, I pray if someone doesn't know you here today, that they come to know you and just lay down before you all their sins and their works and their pride and say, I need you. Go to them, Lord. God, I pray for all of us that we all could be just refreshed and restored as we face this new year to know that whatever comes our way, it's going to be for our good. Christ has won and his victory is our victory. And though, and we don't look at success as the world sees success. We see success as simply trusting in you every day. We pray this in your son's name.